0: The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to Z Pod, an Outreach Ministry of Identity Matters podcast. ZPod pod is focused on addressing the worldview issues relating to the millennial generation and their children, Generation Z. Our new podcast series reveals the importance of the indwelt believer knowing and understanding who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us today and welcome to Z-Pod with Dr. Stephen Finney. Welcome to Z-Pod. It's exciting to have you joining us for this particular podcast and also our, our live audience. Very good to see that there are committed, truly faithful believers that are wanting to hear the truth. You know, when we, at least when I read the verse, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free, what is the first thing that pours out of chaos? I'm not necessarily hunting for the manifestation. I'm more interested in hearing what you believe the manifestations would be. First thing that comes out of the cave of chaos. You don't make the opportunity to grow through your trials. It is not a choice that we have. It will work itself out for the good no matter how it goes. It's a promise from the scriptures. But confusion seems to be the number one thing that at least the theologians that I read this past week for tonight's message is confusion comes out of chaos because chaos is a frenetic spiritual energy if I could use that term that comes at you so quickly that it is impossible for you to live out the verse, for you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So then it defaults into something I want us to talk about tonight. If that is true, that chaos will throw you off, so that you use the excuse. That was the other thing, even in secular dictionaries, is Confusion is an excuse for a refusal or a defiance, as the dictionary term I'm going to use tonight, a defiance against embracing the truth. But confusion is used so liberally in our, our verbiage today, it puts the responsibility on the one who's communicating. If you truly believe you have the mind of Christ, you can listen to an idiot and get the truth. You could listen to a donkey and get the truth. So the responsibility has literally shifted in our society to degrade the teachers and preachers and the word of God itself into being impotent because it somehow breeds confusion. And that is nothing more, nothing less than an excuse. But before we get started, if we have any new podcast listeners, it's always nice to know what the Generational Ethics Gen Z series is all about. There are two primary generations we're dealing with today. And those two primary generations are who? Generation Z, which are the youngest group that you see in society around you. And then the millennials, of course, are their parents. There was a great schism that occurred between the millennial generation and the two generations above them. God promises us in the scripture that there's always four generations Alive. It is impossible for us to grow and mature as believers without the gray hair, without the elders, and then their children, being able to bring a perspective of that old-fashioned grandma and grandpa perspective and bring it into a relevant culture. But then the generation... Below them are the ones that are obligated, according to Scripture, to live out the biblical beliefs of their parents. So that the grandchildren and great-grandchildren will not even question the existence of truth. Now that is the simple, unfolding generational ethics And revealing the problematic issues that we have with Generation Z. And that is why our personal mission is this. Equipping generations with the mind of Christ. Now some of our local listeners are probably so used to hearing this mission title from our ministry. That it probably has lost its impact. So I will give it to our new listeners and even some of our older listeners that are still excited every time they hear about it. Because just this past week, I received many emails. Of course, I had 1,400 emails waiting for me. After the company that monitors our emails got rid of all the garbage, I had 1,400 emails that I needed to respond to. And within those 1,400 emails, we got... Lots of positive feedback on our podcast. And one of the things that seemed to keep popping up in these emails is the mission statement. Literally equipping generations with the mind of Christ versus the mind of man who thinks they know Christ. Big difference. So our value is helping members of the body of Christ experience, mature in, and hopefully Communicate effectively the message of who the believer is in Christ. Now, if I put a box of cereal in front of you tonight, no label on it, it's a brown box. How many of you would, by faith, come forward, stick your hand into the cereal box, and whatever's in there, no matter if it's cereal or if it's gummy bears, yeah, Or gummy worms, yeah. Sour gummy worms, oh yeah. Or maybe it's a handful of mushrooms. Oh yeah. Well, I'm hitting all my favorites. Who would put their hand in this box and pull it out and eat it? But what if it's something else? Well, I would probably have to make the commitment that it wouldn't hurt you. <laughs> okay, so why would having a label on the box be so important to you? That helps you discern whether you like it or want it, whether it's good for you or not. Or, or you if it appeals to your desires. Now, if it was just good old fashioned Wheaties, some of you go like, I've tried that product. No, thank you. If it said Wheaties with mushrooms, <laughs> Jess would be like, no, thank you. I, I don't care what kind of rejection's coming after this, but no, thank you. Or if it was Rice Krispies, you'd probably get a few more that would step forward and stick their hand in the box. I would too, particularly if it had marshmallows in it. Oh, yeah. Now, what if you saw on the label something that did appeal to your desires? You stuck your hand in there, all excited to pull out a bunch of Rice Krispies with marshmallows in it and you found out that it was organic, ground-up cardboard. (laughs) Tasteless, something tasteless. This is what we're dealing with, with this topic of confusion. The world is presenting packages to us that say that there's one thing in it, and when you reach in and you eat from this thing, you find out that it's got this overwhelming blending and taste of demonics and cyborging because those are the two biggies of Gen Z or you sat down to a movie now the worst thing about going to a movie for my wife and I is to have to sit through the advertisements for the upcoming movies And we're like, could you just like skip those and get to the movie we came to watch? This is what I'm talking about. There is objectives and reasons and actual purposing to use one thing, the cereal box, and have to get another thing to get it or even to not get it at all. The world is filled with people who say one thing and deliver another you see that's what pastor shannon was talking about earlier and it is something that is affects every single person is that your flesh is lying to you and it's providing a product that is going to destroy you but yet we have this Christ life We have the marshmallows with the Rice Krispies. You know, if you put those together, Malami, you get what? A Rice Krispie Treat. That's what I'm talking about. Bringing it all back to our focus tonight, here's the title of our message. A Generation Tossed by the Waves. The key principle for tonight is the solution for securing a new identity and worldview for Gen Z is through the resecuring a biblical identity through their parents. And of course this must be done by faith. When we look at the statistics on how many millennial parents are returning to their parents' Wheaties, or cornflakes. We're not finding very many that will do it. Whenever you take away tradition, a new tradition has to start. There's no such thing of a society or a generation that is void of traditions. So when they say that they are non-traditional or they're non-traditionalists. They're lying to you. There's no such thing. So therefore, as people who do research and carefully study and analyze generations, we need to understand what's the replacement. What is going to take the place of the Wheaties? We need to look at that replacement and first of all run it through the mind of Christ, the indwelling mind of Christ, and see if it comes out godly or to see if the result is evil. But since that particular generation, at least by surveys, proves that the millennial generation are the founders of pluralism, It's not Gen Z. They're not old enough to be founders of anything outside of their gaming. So here's our dilemma. Is addressing the parents of the Zers. Here's our three objectives for tonight. If and when we find a millennial parent who take hold of the promises of God with firmness, who feel the deepest assurance when they cling to the word of God in raising their children, we actually will find a solution. Of course, this can only be done through depending on the indwelling life of Christ for counsel and direction, without parental hesitation. Tonight we start our branch of our series in Parenting. At the end of each message, there's going to be a mini-message on a Christ-as-life quality and theology that you must put in as an identity marker in your children's lives before they turn 13. Once a child becomes 13, they're no longer a child, even though the Americans have popularized the idea that children are children until they leave your house. This is not true. In fact, it is a demonic doctrine. The scriptures tell us that we go from reasoning as a child, speaking as a child, and when we became adults, we needed to put away those childish things. There's no such thing as the branding of teenagers. It does not exist in God's design. That's why the Jewish people have a bar mitzvah. Where the young man goes from 12 years of age to 13 years of age. And it is a public statement to the world that my son is a man. He is up for the entire of his father at 13 it is also announcement to the world by the father of communicating that I have finished training my son to be a man if you have a son who is 13 years of age and older and acts like a 6 year old You need to understand, you failed as a parent. A 13-year-old is to carry the full load of the house from finances all the way to caring for the physical structure of the house. Now, would a father pass the entire load over to this son? Of course he would not. He is communicating to the public that he's equipped them in the identity markers of manhood that are stated by a biblical worldview by the living God who calls himself the Father. And Jesus himself had to go through this process of going from boy to being a man. And it did not mean that God put the full load on him yet, which, as we know, did not occur until he was 30 years of age. And when God put this full load on Jesus, as you know by scripture, or hopefully know, that was shortly before the father was going to have to say, I'm sorry, son, I have to turn my back on you. And what did Jesus say when he sensed it? Because anyone who's close in a relationship, if they put their back to you, you're going to sense it and know it immediately. What did Jesus say? He did not reference him as his father. He said, My God, which means authority, supreme commander. Owner of my life, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? It was a needed step by the father to pass the entire workload on to Jesus because Jesus had to fulfill the law by going through what he did. Very similar actions to a godly father equipping a son and not bailing him when the time gets rough. It's the time where the little boy takes a hike. It's a time when the childish ways inside that boy have to leave. It's a time in that young man's life where he has to bear up under such sorrow and responsibility without complaining, drink from the cup, And get her done. And now he is received. As you know. If I can get through this. Without being emotional. He has become. Everything. Everything. Two hundred and twenty five labels. And it happened after he became. A full on. Man of God. Then he was able to return to his Abba relationship. Dada! The triune of the referencing of God is God the Father. Here you have the Supreme One, and he's a Father. And then you have God the Son. Who, as you know by scripture, handed the entire heritage of the Father to his Son. And now he gets the titles that come with it. And the Holy Spirit is simply the glue, the very spirit of the living God that was put inside you to live out the fulfillment of the law. So it is no surprise to me that the enemy has turned an entire generation and their parents into spoiled brats. Into a me gospel. Into everything being about them. And anytime they hear truth, it cannot bust through this me gospel. And I'm telling you tonight, millennial parents, the reason is you spoiled that child beyond 13 years of age. Pamper them and change their diapers before they're 13. I'll give you that. But after 13 years of age, the very mother of Jesus Christ was 13 years old when she was pregnant with the Son of God. We have made up through the, the oppression of Satan, a entire category within a generation called teenagers. There's no such thing in heaven. We have to have these children prepared or else they're going to be tossed by the waves. Of our society. And our second objective is. They're going to blame God for evil. And our third objective being. They won't want to be parentally trained. You guys have heard me. Stuff this little piece into many messages in the past. And I will stuff it again tonight. But hesitation kills. It's not only in traffic. It's not only in defending yourself if someone has a weapon pointed at you. It's not only if the Satan has got one of his demons in front of you and he's about ready to attack you. It doesn't matter what the offense is that's coming at you. If you hesitate, you die. If you hesitate, you're going to sin. If you hesitate, you're going to be overcome. If you hesitate, you are revealing to the enemy, you are up for grabs. To avoid hesitation, you literally have to be overwhelmingly possessed by faith. Faith happens to be one of the 225 names of Jesus. So, being possessed with faith is the life of Christ. I'm actually revealing to you guys right now the gates that you and I leave open every day that grants the enemy permission to come in and take you. I'm going to tell you a story about a counselee that I had when we lived in Colorado. He was a rock star, and he wasn't just a self-proclaimed rock star. He's still considered today one of the greatest rock stars that have ever lived. And we were counseling his girlfriend. She became born again. Can you imagine how this rock star was affected by his girlfriend becoming born again when he was one of the leaders, was the leader of one of the largest satanic groups on the face of the planet. One night I was counseling a couple in my office, an attorney and his wife, and all of a sudden I lost the air in my lungs. And I'm telling you, I'll say it like I said it on that day, it was like someone put a vacuum cleaner hose in my mouth and sucked out everything in me. I could not get any air. I knew immediately there was something demonic that was going on in the building. Through what little breath I had, I told the couple I'll be right back. I got up, I opened my door, I walked out. And there was The waiting room was between my office and my secretary's office. And I purposely did not look at who was sitting in the chair in the waiting room. I kept my eyes fixed in front of me. And I sensed this darkness like I was in a dark room. And I got to my secretary's office and she says, there is someone really weird out there. And I said, I know. I grabbed a soda, walked back to my office, and now I'm walking this direction, purposely keeping my eyes fixed ahead. And he began to speak to me without a sound in the room. And I turned and I looked at him and he continued to speak. And I tell you before the living God, that mouth was not moving. And I heard every single word. And I just pointed at him and I said, I will be with you shortly. Went into my office, I said, we have a little emergency on our hands, and I need to stop our session, we'll pick it up again next week. So they left. I went out to get him, and he had already barged into my office. He sat down, and he held his hand up in front of my face, and there was a tattoo of a pentagram on his hand. And he proceeded to curse me in the name of Satan. And I felt like there was this heavy weight that was pushing on my chest. Now here's the gateway. This is when I learned the power of the Holy Spirit in spiritual warfare. This guy gave me one of the greatest blessings in ministry. And I felt that heavy oppression as he was doing this. Which he did at all of his concerts before they started. Just like this. And I was choked up in, in my voice a little bit. But just like that the power of the Holy Spirit shot forth. And I said in the name of Jesus Christ. Your God has no power over me or Jesus Christ. And he started shaking in his seat, I had immediate control over the room, and then our discussion started. To make a long story short, this rock star was led to Christ, and he became kind of an integral part of our ministry for a while. And then the group was putting pressure on him to get his act together for the world tour that was coming up. And in that pressure, he started to cave in a little bit. So we were in a small group, which this couple was a part of at the time. And the whole thing happened again. And every single one of the members in our group, there were over 20 of them, got up and left the room. And the only two left in this, well, three if you want to count as girlfriend, but from my seat, there was two of us that was in this room was this man and me. He says, I have cursed you. And he said, you will become very sick And you probably will not recover. Without hesitation, I looked at him and I said, I might wake up sick tomorrow morning, but by lunch, I am going to have a great lunch. I acknowledge the power that you represent, but I do not acknowledge the power it has over me because it does not exist. And that's why I believe physical ailments oftentimes are nothing more than the initial wave of chaos. If you bust through that wave, you hang on, you can open the door to the truth that will set you free. Or you can cave. Now, I don't believe that for every physical ailment. I'm not a name it, claim it, stab it, and slab it kind of preacher, I'm just telling you, you need to be aware of that. One of the first venues that Satan goes after is the most obvious and easiest part of you to destroy. Your human body. It's where lust is formed. It's where lust is submitted to. It's where lust manifests itself and multiplies itself to consume you. There's sin in your mortal body. But I'm telling you, he who hesitates, dies. Hesitation is the result of frenetic chaos. Do you remember, frenetic is this fast, energetic, uncontrollable impulse. How long? I'm asking a serious question to you tonight. How long? Clockwise. Does it take you to sin? I like to say two seconds. Yes, Lord. Now the question is, is it a small L or a capital L? There's two venues in front of you. Which will you choose? Choose this day whom you will serve. Sin in the body always serves Satan. There is no way you'll ever convince me of anything other than that statement. Sin is what comes from chaos. Chaos happens to be one of the 13 names of Satan. I was given this video I'm going to show you by someone who was so appalled by what they saw captured the original video and I'm going to tell you the name of this company publicly because I hope I get some responses. This video was especially designed for Gen Zers. It is an advertisement by Sony for one of their new products that are used today because this video I'm showing you is several months old. I want you to watch for the media style and changes and aggressiveness and the demonics and the cyborging All of the issues we have been talking about with Gen Z got stuffed into this video. And if you could look at this video and not be appalled, then your mind is already entrenched in the world.